can't just say I can only be confident once I achieve something. So you got to be confident first, then go out there and achieve it. So I think there's a lot of things that if we just flip the script, the equation kind of balances out the other way. Quite often when people are giving advice on success, I find they kind of talking about that end point. And I'm like, that's not where it took place. Mm -hmm. It took place right over there where you were afraid of something and you got past it. And the ones that, that are there right now is, is where they're stuck. So, um, you know, in, in your case, you have you get seen as what you are today. But if you were to like, you know, go back, like way back, just like, who's this guy? <laughs> Dylan, where, where does what's your earliest kind of like recollection of? Yeah, this is uh, like what I had fun doing. This is what I remember like having joys with or you know, facing fears with? What, what's like your first recollection? Does it go back? To, can you remember back to like the playground, the early playground <laughs> days? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I was always competitive in, in whatever it was that I did. And I always liked sports. So those two things kind of matched up really well. Um, even like as a kid, like we would go to the park, like with my family and we would, you know, my parents would bring like a backpack full of different like footballs and basketballs and tennis. And we would just like go through like for a couple hours, just going through until we were tired of one. Like we'd throw the football and then we would throw the tennis ball and then we would go play basketball. Like we just did one and, and the other and it was just fun. And it was kind of what we did to hang out. And it was what I was kind of just naturally good at too. Um, so I always gravitated towards doing those things. How, how did you know you were naturally good at it? It's just it, because I really enjoyed it. And then I guess when it comes to like being in school and stuff, you kind of compare yourself to other people. And you can tell, like, especially at a young age, like it's more about basic skills like speed and like strength and technicality. Right. So it's like you can tell kind of where you match up around other people. And I guess that's kind of how we kind of navigate where we are kind of in general. It's like through comparisons. So kind of compared to other people, I could tell like, OK, I'm like pretty good at this stuff and it was really fun and I'm really competitive. So when you put all those things together, I was like, why would I do anything else really? Were you competitive first or were you good at something first? It's a good question. I'm not sure. I mean, I think I'm competitive in everything, mm -hmm. but I think it has to start. Like, I think I have to think that I'm good at it first. Right. Because if I'm not good at it or right. I don't have a like a, a motivation to be that great at it, then I won't be as competitive. Like for example, like school, I was never competitive with school because right. I never wanted to be a scholar, right? Mm -hmm. It didn't mean that I wasn't smart. Like I, I was one of those, especially at a young age, like I was one of those, like you have to apply yourself kids. Like I got in trouble all the time. <laughs> like in elementary school, I was always in the principal's office. Like I was always getting in trouble. And like- For so, what? Yeah, so like- Like what were you doing? <laughs> I was just, I had an attitude, like I would, talk back a lot like it's it just like I, I had a problem with like um not authority but I just didn't I, want to be told what to do yeah I just and I was really like a, a smart ass too like I just I couldn't keep it in like even now to this day sometimes like I just you know I, I just say things just things yeah so I got in trouble so a hold lot. on a sec like a teacher sitting there going one plus one is two and you're arguing about one plus what, what are you arguing with a teacher about what it was especially with my friends too okay. so it was less about me as an individual being a problem it was more of the group dynamic mm. so I had a lot of friends and we were kind of just always distracted with each other laughing at things and kind of in our own kind of world just mischief making yeah exactly okay. it, was, it was kind of lighthearted stuff but obviously really annoying if you're trying yeah to like you're trying to lead a class, a class. So, <laughs> yeah always always getting in trouble for that um so going back to I guess what I was saying before like with school like it was one of those things where I had no passions to be like an academic mm. even though like I was probably smart enough to like you know do what I wanted like I didn't yeah. really kind of struggle with stuff like that but 
that's I think a case of like I just didn't have a passion for yeah. it, so I didn't try as hard. Whereas the things like sports and stuff like that, or something you had to do, exactly. not something you wanted to do. <laughs> so when it comes to like competitiveness versus being good at it, and which one came first, I think they're kind of just. Both elements were there on its own individually. And then when they came together, I think the catalyst was like, do I actually care about this? I think that was the thing that meshed it all together. So it was my ability to see like, do I actually care about this long term and have a goal around it? That's what brought it together. There's actually a lot to be said about, um, let's just say you're playing sports, say hockey. You heard of it, hockey IQ, you know, basketball IQ, <clears throat> fighting IQ. There's a lot of intelligence there's a mm -hmm. lot of thought there's a lot of academic studying to be done when you're fighting when you're sparring when you're playing any kind of sport as well uh, so you're applying a very calculating side to who you are when you're there you're sizing up somebody even when you're doing the stare down with somebody that's a lot of intelligence involved in that mm -hmm. it's not accidental it's not thuggery right you're actually being very calculated when you're doing that so you're <clears throat> you're applying it as opposed to putting it down on a piece of paper or keeping it in the theory in the in the world of theory. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Is that what they call it? Yeah, kinesthetic learning. Here's another doing, cool word. Yeah, like, mm. doing by she's action. got all these cool words she always <laughs> comes up with. What does that even mean? Do, you do. You learn by doing. You're an action-oriented person. You're engaged. You learn best through action. And, and but when doing. you're so when you're in school and you're having this feeling that and that's why I'm curious about it because you say you were competitive. And you, you, we tend to be com yeah. try to be competitive with the things that we're good, we're good at. at. And we think we're good at something based on comparisons that we make to people around us, right? That's what the competition is. And we figure, okay, that's where we can see ourselves rising. But you did experience at an early age something that you were kind of got a feeling that you were not good at or there was a signal coming to you because you're getting in trouble for something, the classroom setting, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And when you, were, when you were going through that at that time, because I think a lot of people go through that, whether they're new to the country, don't understand the language, or whether, like you just said, they just haven't figured out yet how they're going to apply this. So they look at this and they get a signal that you're really not good at that. And you're ending up in the principal's office for it. But when you're ending up in the principal's office, did you really feel at that point in time or when you're getting these messages that something's wrong with me? Do you get that? Do you ever get that message that you're being told from, you know, like uh, you need to you need to fix something about yourself? Did you ever get that feeling ever? Or were I you always like the smart ass? No, I'm just fine. I, I never thought that there was something wrong with me. I think my approach was like it this doesn't matter as much as everyone thinks it matters and i think yeah. it was more of that kind of mindset of like why does everybody care so much like why why does it care what i got on my seventh grade english paper like it doesn't matter right and, and obviously like to a certain extent it's a good mindset to have but at the same time like when it comes to actually trying to get things done in the in the short term it's not that helpful well you mm -hmm. may fail the class yeah ex and i probably would have like if they could fail you in elementary school i probably would <laughs> oh, like, really? I, yeah yeah like i probably would have just because i didn't care like i i Again, I also realized early on that, like, you don't have to do a lot of this stuff. Like, you don't have to do homework. You don't have to, like, I, I think, like, in grade seven and eight, like, yeah. that's when math textbooks had the answers at the back. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, like, you're just giving this to us for free? Like, yeah. the answers? So they're like, do your homework. It's so interesting for me hearing you say that because, like, knowing your age and where you would have been, like, a decade ago, <laughs> I would have been, like, 
man, you got to fail this kid because mm-hmm. he's straight up not doing it. So she would work with kids like you <laughs> yeah, in the like, school system. He's not doing That's it because he doesn't. Doing. I was actually doing that. I'd be the one like Have advocating. you guys actually met before? You <laughs> no. never met before, are you sure? Because he yeah. might have been one of the kids yeah. sent yeah. to you. Yeah, but it's true. Like it's you don't have that um, natural consequence, right? So some kids, like obviously you can't fail them because they're putting their best effort and no matter what they do, they can't. They just can't get to that level, but there's there's the kids exactly that that, yeah, that wasn't mentality. Me. Like, I, I they're would, like they're not gonna do anything. <laughs> I would I would like to say I was actually pretty smart. It just exactly it was the the application part. Like I just I didn't apply myself at all. Yeah. Um. And like I said, I realized like what are they gonna do? Fail me? Like they yeah. Can't, like like That's it, it doesn't up. matter. And yeah. like you can't. Oh, you don't apply for high school. I mean, like I ended up actually <laughs> going to a high school that you had to apply yeah. for because it was you went a to a sports, sports school. one. Yes. But it mattered more like the academic side mattered a little bit, but it was yeah. more so about like, your them portfolio. supporting you like through your sport. So it wasn't until I actually got to high school that my whole perspective on school changed because I was the only one because it wasn't a um, like a feeder school. Like it, it was a school. It was a public school, but you, you had to apply yeah. to get in. I was the only one from my elementary school that went there. Hmm. So I went from being... Which one did you go to? Bill Crothers. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Bill Crothers. Yeah, yeah. So I went from being this like popular kid with like all of these friends and like part of the group and getting in trouble. Yeah. That was kind of my thing. And going now into into a new high school... And you had to commute like only person. And it was just like, it was completely different. And I was like, okay, like I'm here now. Like I better, you know, make something out of this. It was a totally different experience going from like you know one part to another and then i realized quickly too like now there's incentive to do well in school because like you know taekwondo is not a it's not a professional sport where you can like make it and that's it it's not like basketball where you make the nba and you're set or even mma now where you make the ufc and you're set like Mm -hmm. other sports have been monetized differently yeah you can turn pro and you can monetize it with with taekwondo it's an amateur sport and it always will be an amateur sport the peak that you can get to is the olympics but that's it mm-hmm. right so i for at that point i was like okay i have to do something here else i won't be able to go to university and then i'll kind of be screwed so you were you were training in taekwondo from how old from what age five okay so you were wow. in public school you were training in taekwondo you're starting your your career your path there ending up in the principal's office from time mm-hmm. to time but still winning a lot overall you still felt like hey i'm the it right no not well a, come on in, in, in mm-hmm. public school you just said you went from being this popular guy with a lot of friends to now a different you were mm-hmm. kind of extracted from that environment so you, you, your successes like what you're seeing your speed your strength all of that stuff was really like it was amplified to you you were aware of it right in spite of academically still feeling like hey i don't have to apply myself here i'm succeeding enough to go there and then you go to high school and now you realize that you got to kind of succeed in in both, in both ways. Was there like an uh-oh moment there? <laughs> like, what did that feel like? Yeah, it was, uh, it's actually like, I didn't actually start doing well in Taekwondo until like later on, until I moved to Authentic Taekwondo. Because mm. I started at a recreational club. Like most, most gyms, like most traditional martial arts, like Taekwondo, Karate, whatever, they're actually not geared for competitors. Right. Like they're just, just get your classes. yeah, get your belts, fitness, whatever. Very, very small margins. Even have like a high performance program, let alone like successful competitors. Mm-hmm. So that's where I found myself from. Like when I started up until I moved to Authentic in like 2011. So when I moved to the to the new gym, I was actually that was another kind of humbling moment of like, man, I actually don't know anything. Like I mm-hmm. had a black belt. 
But my skill set and my technical ability was like a white belt at that point. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really like we didn't do anything for, for competition. So as much as I also had that kind of moment going from kind of elementary school to high school of like, OK, things need to change. It was also a moment in my competitive career of like, all right, I also have to kind of dial it up here, too. So it kind of came together at the same time of like understanding I need to be fully focused. And they kind of leaned on each other. Right. Because especially the amount of school I had to miss and stuff like that. Like if I didn't come up with like a plan to stay organized and be on top of my stuff, it wasn't going to happen. And there's, there's no one holding your hand along the way mm-hmm. saying, hey, like, let's do this for you. Like, yeah, I went to a sports school that understood a little bit more, but they weren't going to like do the they work still had for me. So I had sport was it for that you went to the sports school? For Taekwondo. Oh, so <laughs> Bill Crothers actually acknowledged that, hey, you're, yeah. A, yeah. you're a Taekwondo. Yeah, they didn't person. have a program. Like they no. didn't have like a right. team, but they, they, they have a high performance athlete like program. <clears throat> so they understand right. if you have to be away a little bit more yeah, or whatever. and training. And yeah, and so yeah. it's at that point where kind of I had to kind of step my game up all around because I'm like, if I'm not doing everything like to the most efficient way possible, like I won't be able to do anything. But not only that, but you're kind of on your own. Like, cause I know uh, some kids that have gone through for their soccer, right? And so like, I think you can't play for the Crothers soccer team if you play outside or, or something like mm-hmm. that, right? The sport you excel in, you can't play for the school team in or something. I think so, but, yeah. See, I didn't have to deal with that because yeah, there was no Because you had team. no one else. Yeah. But, but I know from like working with those teens, there's a competitiveness and a camaraderie that happens amongst them that they just, you know, that, that that strive to help. And then they also will rally around academics, right? And like they'll, I saw them like, just like help each other with like what they had going on and helping each other organize. But you wouldn't have had that niche built in mm-hmm. because your sport was so you probably were the only student that was in taekwondo in the school right yeah it was it was isolating like it was, yeah. it was really isolating and especially just the shock from like i said going from one system to another um yeah it was the only one that was like that and you know taekwondo maybe now like people can kind of picture what it is but i mean even then like no one really knew like what that even was yeah and, you know yeah. it's not boxing it's not jujitsu it's not mma it's kind of its own thing and yeah there was the element of you know being like the only one that did that. And then there was the other elements that are just surrounded by the sport itself, which were things like cutting weight and missing school and yeah. other things that are so isolating on yeah, its you're own. you're weighing and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like I was, I would I would have to lose like 20 to 22 pounds like per tournament. And I, we were competing like every month or two months. So I was basically just always killing myself and I had to walk around school with like this four liter jug of water because I had to like water load all the time so I for sure looked like this weirdo who was just (laughs) carrying a jug of water walking around like it was it was an isolating experience um and just not a weirdo anywhere a weirdo in high school yeah yeah right yeah it's just like amplify it why don't we (laughs) yeah so it was it was like I felt something it feels like you know you can be surrounded by all these people but you're really just in your own little pocket uh, and it forced me to do a lot of kind of like, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends to bounce things off of. I had my teammates and that really, really was it. You know, yeah. like you have people you're cordial with in school and friends you kind of eat lunch with. But even at that point, I would because like I was mentioning before of how I had to get really organized to, to succeed and everything like I would basically like eat lunch as fast as I could so I can go to the library, get whatever homework done that I had from the classes before. And then at the end of like the, the school day, we had like an extra period where you could do homework, but most people just kind of hung out and talked. I had to like do more homework there too, because mm-hmm. I didn't really have time at home. Like we were going, we were training three times a day. Yeah. So I had no time to do my work. So I had to exactly. So like, did you ever think you that. couldn't do it? So the thing with me is that I, 
I always felt like I had this potential inside of me that just wasn't being tapped into, right? Like I said before, I started at a very recreational gym. Right. Nothing was based around competing. I think we would spar once a year, oh, maybe. Wow. And yeah. I was begging every class. I would go to the instructor, <laughs> we spar, we spar. And then he'd ask the room, right? Do you guys want to spar? And they're like, no. Yeah. Because right? oh, when really? we did, it was like, there was no rules. It was like, well, what do you yeah, think is going to happen when you, when you don't train these kids? And then yeah. once a year, you, it was like nuts. Like there was one session I remember where there was like no rules and I like choked a kid out. Yeah. And it, there's no choking in Taekwondo. It's all right. kicks and punches. <laughs> yeah. It was like MMA style. And it's just like, just you a know, free for all. yeah. And, and like, but that's the dynamic it was. So I mm. always felt like it. And I went to one tournament. So there was a time where I was begging, right? Like, you know, where, do, where are the tournaments? Like I heard that it was a thing, like, you know, tell me yeah. where it is. I'll go. So finally, he, you know, they put up a poster in the gym for, you know, like a, a local tournament. And I was so excited. Right. And, and I went there with my family. It was this big event. But no one was there, like from my team. Like there was no coaches, there was no of like my, none of my studio. teammates. Sure. Yeah, there was nobody there that I recognized, and they just, I guess, left me there, and they figured whatever. So my dad, who now he trains and, and he's a black belt, but at the time he wasn't. He, had he to didn't sit do this there. at all. Then. No, he had to sit in the coaching chair yes. and coach me with like his camera, like between his legs, trying to record me at the same time. Aww. And it was like. At, at, at that moment, I think it, it could have been a fork in the road of like, how do I respond to that, right? Like, I was so excited about it. And it was such a letdown in terms of like not having support. But instead of being disappointed by that and saying, well, you know, no one's going to support me. This sucks. Why were you expecting support? Because we they put the poster up. I at least expected the coach to show up. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that was the bare minimum. Like, if you're going to tell me that we're going, like, we're going to go. Like, okay. yeah. you, know, you don't have to be a good i didn't expect them to be amazing at it but i figured right. like they'd be there like i'd never yeah, been to anything just enjoy like the experience yeah, yeah it's like if huh. you play for a basketball team you expect the coach to show up like for your game right mm. so at that point i i realized like okay but i had a lot of fun still so i was mm -hmm. like if i can have fun and have it be like the worst situation ever like imagine if it wasn't like imagine it was better and i always felt like i have this thing inside me that i could be really good at this and I felt so frustrated that I just wasn't being tapped into. And that was a moment where I was like, was well, like what do I do? It was like a gut instinct, like you just had this knowing. Yeah, I was like, what do I do? Do I quit? Because I hated doing the patterns at that point. I hated mm -hmm. doing all the other stuff. I didn't want to go anymore. And for me, that was a foreign feeling because since I was five, I was always doing it. And at this point, it was like 2010, 2011. I was like 11, 12 years old. And it was my first time ever feeling like maybe I don't want to do this, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, I have so, to make a change. So them not coming to the tournament or you're not doing as well as you wanted what was what would you think triggered your feeling of wanting to quit it was the fact that i just wasn't getting i realized that like i i made a decision early on i think i was like you know 10 i was like i want to spar like okay. that's what i loved doing right and we just weren't doing it so it was like how many times can i go to class and be disappointed i always right. Ask, yeah. right can we do this can so we end like, control over yeah i was like yeah. how many times i'm going to show up to this class and be disappointed that we're not doing anything competitive and i was like well is this just what it's going to be yeah because there's also like that loyalty complex like i don't want to leave yeah. i've learned a lot but it's like what are we going to do so i was really really lucky that the the master that led that gym you know, me and my family kept asking, could we make a program? Could we do more sparring? And and he did something that was very humble. And, and I don't think other people in his position would have done that. And what he said was, we just don't have the program that you're looking for. Like what you want out of this, we just can't give you. So what he did is he actually gave me a list of like all the, because he was very connected in yeah. the space. He gave me a list of like all the different gyms that he knew that competed well. He said, go, go ahead. Check them out. Exactly. So 
in that moment, you know, that was huge because if he had said to me, I don't feel comfortable with you, whatever, yeah. we'll, we'll make it work. I wouldn't try to make but it But that's the it relationship, work. right? He saw like, it's like that stepping stone that he's took yeah. you as far as <laughs> you can go There's to. also the difference yeah. there, right there between either you or you and your father or you and yeah. your family is that when a lot of times we don't get the result we wanted, when we're frustrated, we, we stop right there. Yeah. Don't look you for guys a kept on pushing. What's mm. that called? Persistence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. He says he went to a school where there wasn't a lot of, you know, focus on sparring, but maybe that's what also gave you that feeling that you're, you've got greater potential than this. If there was a lot of sparring there, and you weren't yet developed, and you hadn't achieved that success or or like lack of success, you wouldn't have had that desire. Like you know, it, sometimes not getting what you want fuels you even more to go get mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's knowing it, what you don't want. <laughs> and then knowing what you don't want. Like, right? I think I had like a false sense of, of confidence maybe because... <laughs> I, there it is. Because I was Fake at, it till you make it psychology, Because right? like yeah. when we would spar like the once a, a year or whatever, like yeah. it wasn't... And I was doing well. Like, I mean, obviously like I was the big fish in the tiniest pond ever. Yeah. So like when you throw in a bunch of people with no skills, like my aggression <laughs> took over my... You know, and I, I, I always judged, like I always made people cry. Like that was my... That's how mm. I knew I was doing something right. Because we would spar... And I would make people cry. So you don't cry. call yourself the bully then? At that yeah. Point? yeah. No, it's it was not a bully the rules, type. you know? It was yeah. within the rules It was set. inside the rules. I wasn't telling people they were ugly and that's why they were crying. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was doing it within the, the yeah. framework. The of, and they, you know, sure. that, and, but that's obviously why no one wanted to spar anymore because it was too intense. But for yeah. me, I was like, that's what made me realize, like, I have something. Yes. It's not formed in a way that's, like, conducive to me being really, really successful, like, as it stands. But I have something that tells me I'm, I'm good at this and I love doing it. I just wanted to be in a position where someone could take those kind of raw tools and build it into something that was like what it should be later on. So I didn't, I, I threw the list. I didn't go anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> I stayed there. Yeah. And that was, you yeah. know, January of 2011. And, you know, the rest is history. I mean, I watched my first week there. There was like the high performance team they had was a bunch of people my age and they were all preparing to go to nationals, right? So nationals that year was in Winnipeg. And same thing. I had another moment of like, whoa, I was like, you guys are like, flying together like on a plane like you're gonna go compete like and represent team ontario they had like a team ontario cheer and i was like oh my like i was like i have to do this like yeah this is like they to me they seem like superstars mm-hmm. you know and i was like i want that and i realized like, okay when's the next one and like the next nationals was going to be like the following january i'm like i don't care what it takes in. i want that thing so you know what's interesting because our experience with Authentic was the same. Like, we went there and then we just didn't go anywhere else. Yeah. It just in a little while you realize it. But what's interesting to me here is that you felt that way for, you're able to identify that that's a high caliber, high potential actualization opportunity because you knew what a low potential actualization opportunity looks like. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing when he's saying that is I hear like this, you know, um, sometimes it's a concept of like, you're only in competition with the version of yourself from yesterday, right? Like that's mm-hmm. it. It's always just an internal journey. And like, you could be in that environment with other people. And like you said, you're the worst, but it doesn't matter because you're going to be better than you were yesterday, or maybe you'll slip back. But that's always your kind of bouncing off point is... Checking in with yourself, right? Like you, you know what else is interesting with you, Dylan, is that, you know, a lot of times people, um, they aspire to be at, at the front of the crowd, at the top of the game, the best in the, in the group. But what you're saying is that 
when you found yourself at the top of the group, you found like yourself frustrated because you really couldn't go any further. You're already the furthest. Mm -hmm. I think that's great for you to actually acknowledge that being held back <laughs> is often like, and not getting what you want right away, getting that, what is it called? That instant, not instant gratification, but if it was just so, you know, consecutive, succeed, 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 where would be like, where would be the, the fight? Where would be the appreciation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's why, and that's why like, I've never looked back and wished I had done it differently, right? Like I think hmm. someone in my position could have been like, man, if only I had been at Authentic when I first started, like all these other kids, mm -hmm. right? right? You know, I'm at a dis, I wasted seven years. I just never thought that way because, you know, I'm the type of person who thinks everything happens for a reason, mm -hmm. right? And I'm like, when you were 12, you place, thought this, everything yeah. happens for a reason. Yeah, I'm like, Seriously. being at that place. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> being at that place forced me to develop other skills, right? Like the the kind of martial arts, those tenets of martial arts, right? The the respect, the discipline, kind of that. It was a very hardcore traditional place where they would yell at you. They would like hit you sometimes and stuff like that. And obviously authentic is like not that type not of place, that. or at least not now. But like, I kind of needed that too. So I knew like, okay, that first chapter is what developed like that grit and that like hustle and that like real kind of those raw things that I needed to then take into a more technical club and shine there. And, and maybe I, I thought too, like maybe if I had started at a place where it was just all technical, I would have been really technically great, but missing some of that like- Maybe you didn't have that fire for your sparring yeah, that would exactly. have came from being held back Exactly, so and that's why, that's why I always, I, I never regretted like the way that it went, even though there were definitely times where I was like, man, like I'm, how good could I be if I'd started there from the beginning? It was like, no, I learned, I developed a different skill set, yeah. maybe not technically, but like just- it's Transferable. Yeah, behaviorally, psychologically, just like lifestyle wise from being in a hardcore, tough, traditional martial arts gym that I can then take as kind of the blueprint, impose onto this new place and kind of have the best of both worlds. So I kind of reframed it as like, this actually puts me in a better position than at a disadvantage and i tried to roll with that mm -hmm. were there moments there though where you were like um i am at a disadvantage honestly did yeah, you ever feel it sucked just because i i understood where i was at doesn't mean it didn't suck like yeah. i, I it, it, it was exactly. the worst one there like because in taekwondo like a lot of these kids that you're up against when you go to ontario national They've been training for many, many years. Yeah, no, it's they didn't it have to drop. Sure. They Did didn't you have lose, to drop like, twenty when you pounds. First started like a lot. Like I was, I was lucky to be like I said, like with a group that was very, very, very competitive. Like even my main training partner, John Luca. Like yeah. we're the same age, but he's always been much bigger than me, like just size wise. And every time we would we would do drills, he, he would hit me so hard I'll get winded, right? Yeah. Like, but every day in class, like it, it could be demoralizing sometimes because I was a smaller kid. Like you know. I was, I think, Does that like, drive you to get more technical, like, then? Because then he has... It just... It was just like, okay, this is what it is. And, like, <laughs> I, but I hold figured, on, like, right there, you know, you're saying you're, it was demoralizing. Yeah. yeah. So you did, have, you did have moments there. You weren't just, okay, I got to yeah. reframe. I, I'm going to do this. Here's the upside. It was just like, where am I going to go? You know, like, what am, I, am I going to go with someone that's lighter because it's easier for me? Or do I go with this guy who's going to push me hard? And right. then when I go into the ring... What's this guy going to do to me? We're the same weight. We're the same height. We're the same whatever. So if you have a sparring partner, you're exactly. training that's like harder. Yeah, I learned to appreciate yeah. nervousness in a way because yes. if you can be nervous in the gym, it prepares you for that feeling of being in the ring itself, right? If you yeah. get too complacent and it becomes too friendly and it be you lose that edge in the gym, when you feel nervous at the competition, because you always do, no matter how prepared you are, it's going to be foreign, mm -hmm. right? So what I learned, especially by being the worst one there against people that always – 
not not only nervous, but to the point of being scared. Like I was. So scared when you're of in that hurt. moment, like you're in that moment of because I've I have this with like public speaking, which is funny that I do this, right? But like it's so ironic, right? The thing yeah. I hate the most, I the do, scary part, right? Mm-hmm. It's That's scary. It. It's mm-hmm. like you always go to where it's scary. So like when you're in that space and you're about to compete and you're you know like like I know for me I feel like I'm going to vomit <laughs> a lot of times and then I have to like do. I do this kind of activity with myself to get myself locked in. So like what, how do you go through that space? Because you, it's a really fine line from like dropping out in a panic attack or Mm -hmm. vomiting or just like peace out, I'm leaving. Or you can shift gears and go swish the the pendulum the other way and take it to a different level. And then kind of like capitalize or like um, like harness that energy the same way it would have dysregulated you to like lock down and freeze. You're harnessing it to then elevate you to then mobilize into action. So like what does that process look like for you? Because it's so – I think that's where people trip, right? And we fall well, and we get stuck, right? Like that's here, the moment. You yeah. talk about like, you, you know, when you've you, – when you're there for the first time, yeah. right, or the second, whatever – when you're scared, when you're nervous, you don't come up with that solution then and there. Mm-hmm. What did you do then and there when yeah. you were scared? Yeah. What did you do? I just, yeah, I don't know. I guess I... What did it feel like? Because <laughs> Dylan never gets scared, never looks nervous. Yeah. He's staring people down. That's all I know about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Right? No. You actually got scared. <laughs> so I it might be harnessing that. Yeah. It might be harder for you. My first tournament, uh, we had lined up, and, and it was my first tournament with Authentic, and they did like a, they laid out the division, and there was like, five of us there was like an odd number mm-hmm. and um they were basically saying okay someone has to get a buy right like someone has to kind of skip the first round and, and get the buy and they're going down the list and i was last because i was the shortest right because i was always small like up i think like grade seven eight i was like five four yeah it's such like, a like and everyone grows like at different rates pounds, then yeah. yeah so i was small and i was at the end of the line so I was like oh man i was like someone does the like whoever the they ask first is gonna take the buy like i thought obviously right first guy's like i want to fight Second guy, I want to fight. And I'm like, whoa, it gets to me. Like, no one wanted to buy. I'm like, I'll take the buy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, I thought it was like, I was like, this is like a free win, like to get closer in the tournament. So I think that also maybe violates maybe what people would think about me coming at it from like a place of being mentally tough and being confident. But in that moment, I'm like, I'll take the buy. Like, why would I not get a free win? Yeah. So I went to my, everyone was in the crowd and everyone was confused. That's like what they're asking. And my parents were in the stands. I was like, I got the buy. <laughs> and I was like, so it's amped. a win. Yeah. yeah. So like that, that was kind of where I was at. And then I just like, I had fun with it again. It was nerve wracking, but I loved competing. And like, I loved having now Master Farah behind me who could coach me and like really start to see, even from my first tournament, I felt such a difference in my abilities and like having a little bit of progress and seeing the difference between the first ever tournament I did and you know the first one with Authentic and I was just like I just love to compete and I treated every event like it was like the Olympics like I, I over intensified it to the point where so I would give was myself migraines like? afterwards what was your headspace like when you'd be conquering that fear I was just like I, I don't even know if in the moment it was a fear thing it was just like mm-hmm this is what I'm here to do. Like, you know, I like. Now, I, hold on a sec, Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> you got the buy. Yeah. You said you were afraid and scared. You got the buy. So you really never had to face it. I then you went it? through your first yeah, fight. Yeah, mm-hmm. Let's go. Like, yeah. <laughs> I still didn't hear the answer to the question. Yeah. So you're, you go to the first fight after getting the buy. So that's, that's so made even harder because yeah. you didn't actually feel the sweat from the first fight. Yeah. You're not even warmed up. This guy's already had a fight. Yeah. He's, he won a fight. You kind of didn't win a fight. 
you know this going into your first fight. Yeah. So does right? it, go, that, that's does it happen way. in the same day? Mm-hmm. Like you have the buy, you. then you like go to another level, right? Within, yeah. It's all within the same day. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's within it's like, like minutes. Yeah. So I uh, I didn't take the buy because I was scared of fighting. I took the buy because of common course. sense told me like that's how sure. you get that's closer. That's a win. To right. Win. But what I'm saying is that kind of is a disadvantage sometimes because you haven't fought yet. Yeah, your already, body's not. This warm. person's had a real. I wasn't win. smart enough to think that yet. <laughs> oh, okay. So <laughs> now he helps. I didn't think about the warm-up fight. I just thought, okay, one round. I'm on to the next level. Yeah, like it has to be better. Like the you know right. one more whatever. So um, yeah, like I remember fighting, and I think that tournament I came second. So I won my first fight. Right. And then I think but that was your very very first. Yeah, it was my very first one. And there was nervousness. That's what I'm trying to understand. Is that there was? Do you remember there being the sense of nervousness? Do you remember anything about that? At at that age and at a point when you're so new at something, you kind of get to a place where you have all this like heightened sensations. But when it when excited. it starts, you kind of block everything out. Mm-hmm. Like when the referee says go, that's what you did. Yeah, but that's what not you that you. You did that. That not everyone does that. I think that's what the point is. I guess. Is. Yeah. I guess I just yeah. Like it what out, you like, did there could shut well, someone down. Or there's like there's something I'm wondering about really though, Dylan, is that you were there. Um, the last time you were in something like this that you described was when there was no coach, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you were feeling, you know, like a little bit deserted. Mm-hmm. That's what I think really like the the success lies right <clears throat> uh, that you sought. You persisted on finding and building your team, building mm-hmm. the people around you. When you saw them, you recognized it. You 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 put in a lot of time to prepare to get there. Mm-hmm. And then when you got there, still having the presence of the support around you. Mm-hmm. I noticed that to be a constant common denominator. The support we is all, where it we is. need it. Yeah. And a lot of times people say, like, I feel alone. Mm-hmm. You felt alone. But you didn't just stay alone. You said, hey, I feel alone, so I'm going to go get somebody. You didn't mm-hmm. stay that way. You didn't uh, You didn't wallow in it, mm-hmm. right? And then you, you kept going. What I love about this, this story that, that you tell is that you won the first fight that you actually went into with Masafara behind you, but you didn't go all the way. And I love that part about it. So when you, you're in your final fight, you're already like expecting, yeah, I'm achieving the success. I'm achieving the su- success. You go into that last fight that you say you lost. I want to talk about that a little if that's okay mm-hmm. with you. You, you. you obviously remember it. Um, you felt like you're ready to win. You can take this guy. Did you have, when you looked at your opponent, the one that you lost in the finals, did you have a feeling that this guy's like way better than me? Or w- what was what, what did you feel before going that? Was there anything different at the beginning versus the other fights? I knew that he was going to be good. Obviously, like you watch, you, you can't help you but watch them, them compete, right? Like you, you yeah, see, you want to like, assess them how out. are they doing? So I knew that he was going to be very kind of technically good. And he was kind of the other side of the spectrum for me where I came in with like all grit, no technique. He was very technical, but didn't have as much of kind of that fire. So I figured, you know what, let me, I can overwhelm him. I can overpower him. Like I've been kind of successful all day. And it was actually a very close fight. I yeah. think I think I lost it within the last like... 30 seconds or the yeah. last minute like I I kind of had that problem like for the first little bit of my career like I just didn't know how to handle being ahead sometimes mm-hmm. and I also didn't like I got tired by the end of it. like didn't I, just, I couldn't yourself. yeah I couldn't manage like all the kind of complex parts of competing at a high level that you kind of need to so like I was I was like winning early on I got ahead of myself like oh, okay I'm gonna do this and then before you know it you don't right yeah, yeah sure so I lost and I was like obviously so upset 
by it because like man like i came all this way whatever silver never feels as good mm -hmm. like that first experience for that first tournament mm -hmm. you can actually extend that into my first like almost year mm -hmm. like it was the same thing every time because we would compete like every month in a different like the place. same lesson keeps coming back every time yeah it would, like i never i didn't win at all i always came second or third or something like that i just couldn't mm. Get over that final part. Being held part. back again. Yeah, yeah. Held back I just again. couldn't. I just couldn't get to that final part. And I remember there was a big tournament. So that tournament that I mentioned was in March. I had started in January. And then August of that same year was Provincials. And Provincials was like a big deal because it was like a qualifier for nationals or yeah. whatever. It was the first like big event. And I, I was nervous for it. And I remember Master Ferris saying too, like, don't worry. Like one day, you know, Provincials are going to feel like a, a normal tournament. Nationals are going to feel like any other day. And I thought he was full of shit. I'm yeah, like, yeah, no yeah. way. Yeah. I'm like, you're, you're just lying to me. Like, there's no way that I'm ever going to treat See, this so like you're a not buying tournament. in. You're not no. drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. No. I'm like, you're just trying to say that. So, But I had felt like, how am I leading up to that? I'm like, how am I going to win the Provincials if I haven't even won He's giving you a, a local tournament? Like, how's this going to mm -hmm. happen? So I got, I yeah. got, I was fortunate enough. There was one last tournament before Provincials in mm -hmm. Niagara in like June or July. And I finally went out there and I won it. And that was my first local tournament that I won in, Ni in Niagara. And that's what gave me the confidence of like, all right, I finally got over that hurdle. Here comes Provincials, which is gonna be my biggest kind of challenge yet. But because I had proven to myself that I could do it, like I think there's a difference between thinking you can do something and knowing you can do yeah. something. Mm -hmm. That was the moment where it went from, I think I can do this to I know I can because I won that local tournament. And then it kind of, set the catalyst for the success you I had took later that vigor on. to another exactly because i yeah. ended up then winning provincials winning nationals yeah. that same year and just it kind of started from there so i think that was an important moment for me to prove like yeah i can do this i'm not yeah. just a silver medalist or a bronze medalist like i can i can and get this is like goals. the second time you've taken like your skills gone into a bigger pond if you will and be like oh man this is crazy i can't well, make it and then you see there's that feeling again right, right? like you feel like do you ever feel like you were in a rut like second place third place second place third place ah what do i got to do yeah again a lot of people i think i feel get stuck there yeah and so even you though know, it's still a great but, place to be in, but right? But from what but you're like, saying, yeah, exactly. But in you be, your head, you, you don't be think everybody it is. else except yeah. one. I know, right? right? Like, yeah. really, like that's pretty phenomenal. How bad is that? <laughs> but for you, you you didn't have like you know you I don't know if you're the same, but I take away my second place medals and third place, and they're like in the garbage. Mm -hmm. I only want the first yeah. place medals. So I understand when you say that, but you know, nothing really changed except one thing. I noticed is that you were just persistent. Yeah, you didn't. There wasn't like, yeah, you had yeah. you had Master Farah there, but this time you had Master Farah, and you were still not, you know, like you had hit another like you know call another ceiling, and you want to break through that. But in in order to break through that, really nothing else really changed in you other than just persisting. Would you say, or was there something else? Yeah, I, I that's exactly it. I mean, I knew that like e like because you had everything. Everything I have is like in me yeah. i just have to make it happen i have to get there and, and it's this mindset of like no one's going to do it for me yeah right people will help but no one's going to hold your hand and walk you through it nobody's going to be there in the ring physically with me fighting this guy like no one's going to do it for me i have to do this for myself and if i want the things that i want out of this i'm in an i'm in an environment where it's conducive to success for the first time like let me make something happen with this and like i said that frustration was around I have something in me that I, you know, I just want like a blueprint to kind of map this out in the right mm -hmm. way. I'm like, okay, I finally have this blueprint. If I can just stick to this process, like I'll get there at some point. And that's why I never felt like maybe I should quit or maybe this isn't for me. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm on the right path, whether it takes me a year, two years, whatever, like 
I at least know that I'm like with the right group, doing the right things. With time, it'll come, but no one's going to do it for me. I have to be the one that's in the driver's seat this whole time. So you, you um, obviously now this is like at how old were you? Like fourteen? This was still twenty eleven. So this was still. Uh, oh, this is all in the first year, still, yeah. right? I was like grade so seven. So you start like really accelerating now. It was you're, very you're, quick. You're, yeah, you're achieving this like rapid growth, right? Rapid success. Yeah. Um, and then you go to nationals. Uh, you, you 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 went competed in provincials. You went to nationals, mm-hmm. and it felt like you start noticing your rate of acceleration, right? So you're really starting to compete. You're really starting to win. Um, I remember this guy. Uh, one of the last tournaments I think I saw you compete in that I was there. You um, this guy he would talk about playing mind games with people. Um, he's winning just easily. Even the last fighter that he's fighting, I watched it. Uh, the guy was taller than him bigger than him and he talks about being smaller right um he's like one of those kind of larger than life kind of people right so he walks in and they're looking for him i remember rob was the actual announcer your father was the announcer at the tournament too so he's like they're calling out dylan to the last fight now usually you know you should be ready you should be there everything. right you know like, what this guy does oops. he doesn't come out <laughs> and i got i wanted to That's ask you about this move? So it totally it must have been a power move. So he's sitting there, and the other guy is just like, everyone's waiting for Dylan to show up. And they're like, I'm like, I would be worried about being disqualified, you know, doing all this. Yeah, I'm this. anxiety about, I'm yeah. anxiety about being So get out there, be early, be prepared, right? Look like you're organized. That's the message you want to send to the other side. Where's Dylan? Nobody knows where Dylan is. And then he like, he does his little walk in and he comes in and I'm like, Huh, interesting. He's got everybody. Tell me everybody when you were doing that. Everybody waiting for you. Yeah. By that time, you'd already developed all of this the mind game. So was that deliberate? Like, was that deliberate them yeah, looking yeah, for it was you? Yeah, totally deliberate. Yeah, I wanted, I want people to be on my time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I want oh people God, to kind of... He's, he's gone from like this guy to that guy now. <laughs> yeah, like I, you understand. And you were 14 doing this? No, this was no, later. Was this, was, like, this was maybe 2016, yeah, so I was maybe it was, 18 later. This was yeah. kind of at the end. This yeah. <laughs> I realized like, okay, like everyone has a routine and everyone has an expectation, right? Yeah, yeah. The way that you visualize... Your expectation is, you know, you go in, you know, the opponent comes in, whatever. So anything you can do to violate someone's expectation and yes. make it go slightly different than they planned is always going to be better for you. So 100%. this guy imagined him walking out, then me walking out. The surprise. Yeah, what he didn't imagine is now this extra, you know, three minutes of just standing there, yeah. which sucks. Like he did yeah. his warm up in the back. Yeah. He was ready. He's thinking about and that. And then you're for standing sure. there for even two or three minutes, like kind of, what do I do? That's kind of where I'm like, all right, that that's my time to go in. Now and I, he's in his head. And I was always very deliberate with like my planning because that was an event where they were framing it as like a Ontario versus Quebec event. Oh yeah. And every fight they had only one ring in the center. Everyone in the where stadium was watching. Where was the fight? Watching. This was in Toronto. Okay, so, so this person was on your home, your home yeah. kind of turf. If so you they had an Ontario versus Quebec, but the thing was. Quebec won every single yeah, fight. They were doing all right. It was like Up there to were this point. four. I think I was the last one, and and you know, so I, I I've always done a good job of putting myself into the place of the opponent, thinking like you know what is this guy thinking? And I was like, right. this guy's thinking that you know he just the pressures on him again. This is kind of reframing, but in a way that you know made me feel more confident. Pressures on him. He has to close this out. You know, if if they kind of went you yeah. know one one lost one 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 lost one, he can just go out there and do what he wants. But now this they is the seals the deal. Every single time. It's on him yeah. to close this out and make it a clean sweep. 
and I was excited. I'm like, I can't wait to ruin this guy's day. <laughs> yeah. I can't wow. wait to go out there and show him very quickly that these fights aren't going to be like the ones that he just watched. I can't wait to go out there and show him what it's like to fight me and why if anybody else that had fought on those last three fights that had to fight me, it wouldn't have been a clean sweep the way it was. So I was like, I'm going to do this on my time. I'm going to let him think that, you know, he's confident. He's rolling into this. He has he's got the, the advantage. Quebec. Yeah, you know. Show him what it's like to wait for me and make it on my time. And from the beginning of the fight, I set the tone as to like, hey, man, like this isn't what you think it's going to be. You know, congratulations to your teammates for winning. But unfortunately, you're going to be the one that has to go home like without mm -hmm. that medal. And so you find your motivation. Yeah. No matter what the situation is. Yeah. That's not reframing, man. That's like, you know, like really. You know, you're making a choice. Yeah. Using the energy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have another story. You're harnessing like it. You're harnessing I have it. another story like that, too, if you guys want to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So U.S. Open is one of the biggest tournaments that there is, you know, internationally. Um, Where was this? Which this city? one was in uh, Vegas. Okay. Oh, no, the second, first one was in Vegas. This one was in Orlando. Okay. Orlando. To win this tournament is, like, a really big deal because it's, again, one of the biggest. Like, people come in from everywhere, China, Russia, whatever. And I had I'd won it in 2014. And like for me, that was like the biggest thing I'd ever ever done. And this is 2015 now, coming back and kind of defending So Vegas that. was first and then Vegas Orlando. Vegas was first, then it was Orlando, same tournament. And I kind of had that pressure of like, you know, defending this. Yeah. This yeah. But no one does it. Like no one wins it back to back. So I remember I had fought well, but I, I had close fights. Like it's tournament style. There was probably, I don't know, 40 people in the division. And every fight that I fought was tough, right? It was like one person than the next and I was winning these fights but it wasn't easy by any means the guy who I had to so I make it to the finals I fight you know four people from four different countries I finally make it to the finals after a really tough match against the Russian national team guy who I kind of went in there thinking like I don't know if I can beat this guy like he was so you really knew good. some of them just because you watch them, well, you watch them at the later time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you see who's on your side of the tree where's the yeah. matchup and you kind of watch so going into watching. the finals now the guy who I had to fight, so in Taekwondo, there's a rule where there's like a mercy rule kind of. Like if you're up, and it's different now, I don't know what the numbers are, but at the time, like if you were up by like 12 points by the end of round two, they wave it off. It's and like that's, a, you've won, it's that's done. it. It's like a mercy rule, like disqualify, you win by whatever. Just, yeah. This guy who I had to fight in the finals, every single fight, he had won by that mercy rule. Wow. Every single fight. So he, he was just taking them down. This yeah. sounds like a Rocky movie. Rounds. Yeah, right? every fight. And there's me. I know, right? I and he's the Russian. Him. That's and what I'm the... saying. <laughs> no, this one, you had the Russian. I, I, I visualized Ivan Drago. I got you. I'm I back. just visualized this guy was in, the, the finals, this guy was American. It was the Russian guy I had, I had to face in the semis. Right. So anyway, this guy at every single fight, he had crushed these guys. And then there's yeah. me who, like, obviously, like, I was winning, but it was by close margins sometimes, like maybe two or three points. I don't know. I, I actively thought in the moment, which way do I go? Do I think, mm. how do I beat this guy? On, you know, on paper, there's no reason why I should win this. But I thought, no, this is this is my advantage here. I've been facing adversity all day. I've been having to fight through the hardest fights I've ever fought all day. You know, this guy's just next on my list. He hasn't had that. Yeah. I'm going to show him. And from the very first round, he's going to notice that he can't walk through me. And the moment he realizes that he can't walk through me, it's gonna there's going to be a, there's gonna be something in his head that goes, oh. So the way I approach fights was I always thought there's two ways to win That's a fight. That's the emotion, right? Yeah, there's two yeah. ways to win a fight. You impose your will, you impose your game plan, and you dominate them that way. And, or, or... Because that's what he's thinking. Or, exactly, you get your opponent to self-destruct. Hmm. And that was always my take, is if you can bring those two things together, that's how you win. So I tried to beat my opponents, not just from what I did to them physically, but I tried to make them crumble internally as well. And then the moment you realize that someone's kind of self-destructing internally, 
that's when you can pick them apart. So yeah. that was my strategy of how am I going to make him self-destruct? I'm going to make him realize early on that this isn't going to be easy. So I would do is it's funny, I actually do this now for the clients that I have because I'm just really good at it. Um, but I would watch game tape all the time, like on all the different opponents that I either have had or I could have. And I would do that like in school when everyone else was kind of doing their homework. If I was done my homework early, I'd open my computer and just game and just plan and just it. have a, a notepad open and just, I would watch it a hundred times. And one time I would write down how many times did they use their right leg? Uh, then I would watch it again. Yeah. How many times left leg? Now I watch it again. And then it's I got called to a homework, point. baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to he a actually point. started doing it finally. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So I get to a point where I realized, like, okay, there's, there's a lot more, of homework involved. There's more than just kicks and punches. So I got to a point where I was, I was breaking them down behaviorally too. And I was yeah. thinking, yeah. what does this you person study. look like when they're put under pressure? Mm-hmm. How do they respond to that? What is their kind of tick, right? Do they smile? Do they clap their hands? Right. Do they say something? And I would try to look and break people down kind of psychologically and see what are their cues for when they're, they're nonverbal, yeah, or when they're put in an uncomfortable situation. And I would try to get that out of them. And then when I saw it is when I knew like, all right, we're there. So, so what I, were you seeing? I would see just it, things like body language. Yeah, right. Like when look someone's in the winning, yeah. you can tell like their chest is straight, right. they're energized, you know, they're good to go. And when you can kind of mute someone and their a posture little bit. Yeah, you, so you know what often happens, I find though, if you didn't do that, can you imagine? Can you imagine if you did not do that mm-hmm. studying, you would not be able to read the cues, which means you would not even be able to tell when the tide was shifting in your favor anymore. Right. What would that do to your chances to victory? That's what took me from a place of being the worst one in the gym to the best one, not only in the gym, but in the country, and one of the best in the world, was because I knew I have to do the things that nobody else is doing, and that's the only way that I can close this gap and set myself up for success. So you see there's like he goes from desiring <clears throat> to the feeling of deserving. What do you say to somebody who's just still stuck in that in that space, who really doesn't understand the why not me part? Yeah. What do you say to that? I think a lot of people struggle with feeling like, if I haven't proven to myself that I can be successful, like how can I have a right to be confident, right? There's this feeling of like, how can I be this way if I haven't earned it, right? Right. And that's why I think a lot of people get stuck with like being insecure, right? It's like, I haven't proven it. And the way I like to, I like to kind of flip things sometimes. And instead of saying, you know, how can I be confident if I haven't been successful first? It's like, well, how can you be successful if you're not confident first? Uh, right. Uh, Flipping the script and trying to do it that way where it's like, it doesn't matter whether you're a champion or whether you've never won. You need to walk in, and if it's a training example, you need to walk into training with your chest out, with your head held high, with the willingness to learn. Because if you walk in there, low energy, you're like, ah, oh, you know, I don't want to waste these people's time. I'm not good enough. You know, let me win first and then I'll be able to be confident you can't it's like you're always going to be behind so that's what i had to do too is realize that like i can't wait until i'm successful to command that in the gym like i need to kind of fake it till you make it first and i'm going to walk i was in just going to ask you that yeah. what's the difference between being confident before you win versus faking it till you're making it it was that because that faking it just the word itself yeah. doesn't really resonate with me mm-hmm. or a lot of people yeah so what's the difference between being confident and faking like it's a lot of the time like believe it or not it just like by body language, a lot comes, it makes it more real. So, it, you know, it's called faking until you make it. But, I mean, but when listen, you position yourself yeah. physically, there's a whole book called exactly. Humanual. Oops. And it's about like those types of things and how we position ourselves in a certain physicality and it shifts energetically in our body. And we actually, it makes us feel better. Yeah, when it's you, not a lie. Like yeah. I, I, would, I would do something like when yeah. I was about to fight, I would smile. Not because I was happy, not because I was excited, but because I knew that smiling would trigger the emotions in my body that says like, I'm safe, I'm good, yeah. like, I'm ready for this, right? So if you saw me smiling, oh, this guy's like the happiest guy like before <laughs> the fight. I was intense, but I You're was in purposely your head, smiling yeah. to, because 
we have these connections in our brain, right? Like the, the brain and the body are so related. So when you smile, typically throughout your whole life, it's because you're happy, right? Like yeah. you wouldn't smile when you're sad. So if you smile first, regardless of how you feel, it tells your brain, I must be kind of happy right now. So even if you just sit here- I'm in a here, place of calm. Yeah, yeah, so if you sit and you just smile, you're, you're gonna feel a little bit better, right? Just because of that association that we have between emotions and actions. So that faking until you make it, something as simple as I'm gonna walk into the gym, but today I'm gonna keep my chest up. I'm gonna like have a smile on my face. I'm gonna challenge myself. And you call it faking it, but in a way you're kind of making it true just by it. acting it yeah. out. You're embodying it. And then that's sometimes I think that I try to get the point across to other people is like, you can't just say I can only be confident once I achieve something. It's like, you gotta be confident first, then go out there and achieve it. So mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of things that if we just, flip the script the equation kind of balances out the other and way i think it's kind of like that if you look at it like you hear this in theology or spirituality kind of practices and you hear it in the clinical as well is like that capacity to like tune in and know that you are always going to be okay right like you got like that in that inner knowing like you, you said at the beginning like you always knew you had something in you so mm -hmm. it's just standing in that no matter what storm or chaos or you know, experience or challenges around you is that Im just embodied um, knowing that you have a capacity and you're going to show up with it no matter what happens, right? You know, Master Farah too, he had to talk to us and, and he gave us a speech after one of the tournaments and he said, listen, mm -hmm. he said, there's infinite opportunities all around us. It's always falling, you know, no matter where you yeah. go, we're surrounded by opportunities, but they're never going to fall into your hand. Everything that you want in life, you have to reach out and grab it. And I remember this speech because it meant a lot to me and at the time and it still does. It was like, there's, it's true, there's all these things happening all around us, but it's never just gonna fall into your hands. You have to actively reach out and make it happen. So yeah. it's like, that's the thing too. It's like if you, something I remind myself too, is like what you want, you have to be, right? So if you want success, you have to be committed. You have to mm -hmm. be disciplined. If you want happiness and you have to be kind of like, you have to seek those things, you have to be mm -hmm. grateful, you have to be positive. So it's like what you want, you have to be. You gotta do it. And that's a good example of kind I of flipping that. the script. Dude, what you want, me. you have to be. Yeah. I remind, it reminds me of a joke I heard through like a like a Christian lens where it's like this person was always praying to win the lottery and they're praying religiously mm. every day. God, please let let me win the lottery. And then one day this voice comes through and says, "Please just buy the ticket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> buy the ticket, it. man. Yeah, buy the that's ticket." <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's the thing. I think that's exactly what it is. You got to you got to take some action. Yeah. You can't sit in stillness you gotta right? do it you can't wait yeah. you can't wait until the stars align and yeah. you, you have to do it and you have to do it as it stands and and go from there like you have to accept it like i might not be perfect right away but taking that first step will get you closer to the second but if you it's like imagine if you only started a diet once you had lost five pounds right you're like you can't. right you can't you have to love that right yeah. you know a lot of people say this like you know oh he was just in the right place at the right time yeah or i was in the wrong place mm -hmm. at the wrong time whereas the truth is it's like success is opportunity means preparation yeah. <laughs> right mm -hmm. it's not being in the right place at the yeah. right time or the wrong place at the wrong time you got a lot more control over that so yeah thanks man i mean it's just amazing to hear the stories of not just your successes but your success layered in with all the the trials that you have and you know he's he's like 24. i know this is the taekwondo part of his journey yeah. There is then after this. But now I think, he's harnessing all that when wisdom. He, he gets to this point and he says again to himself, there's more potential in me. And he goes again from the front of the pack to the back of the pack. And that's when he moved over into 
into that world. But I, I'm going to save that for like, I think there's another episode yeah. here that we're yeah. going to have to do with you. I hope you're willing. Yeah. You know, um, how did you find it, man? Like coming out and what we're doing here, hopefully that's something that, that you see is, is worthwhile for you. What did, what did you get out of it? Yeah, it was great. I mean, I, I it was cool to be able to talk kind of only about the origin stuff. A lot of times people kind of start with that as like a preface and then they go into the rest. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what I was expecting too, even more like a 50-50 type of right. thing. But this was like 99%, like 100%, like just origin stuff, which was cool. Cause I think like you're saying, it sets the tone for people watching. 